welcome to a very special episode of the Purple Insider Podcast, in which pro football focuses Eric Eager is at the airport and decided he had nothing better to do than to do a podcast with me. Uh, Eric, you are going to Hungary, right? I am both hungry and going to Hungary today. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited. It's my sister's wedding this weekend. She lives there, so... Uh, I'm going to be out of the country for the first time in a few years, which which will be great. I'm currently sitting in like legit a phone booth, which is kind of funny. Um, and, and I'm ready to talk some purple because this off season has been something else. Um, can you explain why your sister lives in Hungary? Uh, she got a teaching job there like out of college and it took her a little bit longer to go through college. So it was sort of like a little bit of that. Um, I've never met the, the guy that she's marrying because <laughs> she met him like during the pandemic and, you know, like, uh, some of the, you know, more the European countries, I think had more, uh, of a, uh, more restrictions than, than we did in the States as far as travel. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's basically it. I mean, uh, I'm excited though for, uh, you know, to, to sort of get away for a little bit and uh, enjoy my family. Well, that's fun. And if you don't like him, you don't have to talk to him. He's in Hungary, so you probably won't see him for uh, quite some time. Uh, but that's that's very cool. Uh, enjoy that, and uh, hopefully your travel goes well. But since you're bored and doing nothing else, how about we talk about wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, and the future of the Vikings? We might as well, right? Um, now, so Stefan Diggs signed a huge contract extension, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have made a bunch of money. So why don't we talk a little bit about Justin Jefferson and his future and what it means that all these wide receivers prices are absolutely exploding. I mean, does this mean that Justin Jefferson is going to ask for $25 million a year after this season? What does that mean? Yeah, I think, um, well, because after your third year, you obviously are able to. He's on cost control for the first three years, no questions asked. And, um, you know, after that, he can ask for basically whatever he wants. And and that's where it gets tricky for the Vikings, right? Because you look, and I, and I posted this on, on my Twitter account, Justin Jefferson's been the third most valuable player um, at the wide receiver position the last, three, the last two years. Uh, in the NFL and, and, you know, there's, there's sort of a way to kind of, you know, get to sort of what this value ends up looking like. Um, but, you know, he's very much sort of in that, you know, after inflation and things like that, he's going to be a $30 million player. Um, the question becomes for this team, um, are they able to pony that money up in the 2023 offseason? Because it looks like, um, you know, 2024 is very open in both good and bad ways for this team. But 2023 is not 2023. Um, they've kicked the can down the road on a number of players to the point where um, they're either going to have to kick the can down the road to extend Jefferson or um, because it's not even his fifth year option year. Like it, it is not cap relief to extend him uh, unless you have a very backloaded deal. Um, you know, so they're going to either have to kick the can down the road on guys. They've already kicked the can down the road on or, uh, they're, they're going to have to, you know, sort of be extremely tied up against the cap, which I can't imagine a player of Justin Jefferson's caliber on a team that's been 15 and 18 the last two years, uh, is really going to want to, you know, sign up for 
you know, a team that that may or may not be contending, uh, you know, uh, for the fourth consecutive year of his career. Well, and so there's a bunch of different ways that we could go uh, off what you just said there, but that's one of them is I think that it's right when people say that Jefferson has to be at the center of the consideration of the Vikings when they're making their long-term plans, i.e. their their windows and when they think they're going to win. Um, and that maybe this year, part of the reason that they want to do a competitive rebuild, although if I'm Jefferson, I don't like hearing the word rebuild, but the competitive part, okay, so you want to get back in the playoffs and you want to be able to say to Justin Jefferson, see, we're in the playoffs. This is a place you want to stay. We got a long-term plan. How about you sign this very reasonable extension? I think that it does matter, but maybe not in the way that we think like Justin Jefferson is a guy who really loves the fact that he won a championship in college. Like he brings it up all the time. And I I guess I just wonder if Justin Jefferson is going to be okay with nine and eight and not a whole lot of changes the next year. Like, what do you have to do to keep him happy? I think is a total fair part of this conversation. I know that there are people who look at, you know, things like this and say, I remember back in my day when the players did what they were told to do or something like, which, you know, yeah, okay. That's how it was. That's certainly not how it is now. Um, especially with players, his age. So I guess I wonder your opinion on what, what should be considered from the Vikings direction or if at all around Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And, and there are people who think just because Stefan Diggs, you know, left because he was unhappy with targets that throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson the most in the NFL would assuage him. But like that doesn't, you know, these, these are two different situations. The wide receivers can be unhappy for a number of different reasons. I think it's instructive, uh, by the way, that when Kirk Cousins got his contract extension, um, a number of Vikings, uh, tweeted out their, uh, appreciation for that move. Justin Jefferson was not one of those players. Um, uh, you know, so like there, there's a number of different reasons he could be unhappy. And I think the biggest one is there's a few outs for this team, right? Uh, Kevin O'Connell could be the next coming of Sean McVay. Uh, Kwesi Adolfa Mensa could be, you know, the second coming, uh, of one of these, you know, great general managers. And, and that could lift the Vikings out of the sort of, miry clay they've been in for the last you know ever basically but but especially in the zimmer spielman era and especially the cousins era um and, and so those things can make justin jefferson happy but the the hardest part and i think that this is where the tyree kill thing matters the Devonte adams thing matters um the stefan diggs thing matters to some extent is any time that you think as a franchise that you have control over a player um, you don't anymore. Like the Chiefs thought they could nestle Tyree Kill into a 21, 22 million dollar, you know, sort of APY deal, uh, and continue this sort of, uh, championship caliber, you know, sort of run that they'd been on. And ultimately things beyond their control got in their way and they had to move on from Tyree Kill. And frankly, given the price, I think it was the right move for them. Um, you know, the Vikings might think that $30 million is the price for Jefferson. And they might think that putting a good, a pretty good, not a, not a leap, a pretty good quarterback and, and a good offensive coordinator into, you know, the head coaching position, um, will be enough for Jefferson. But like, there's a lot of uncertainty there and there's a lot of scarring from, you know, again, winning 15 
out of 33 games the last two years, and frankly, 13 out of 31 games that mattered, right? They have two right. wins in the final week of the season that were inconsequential to anything. Um, you know, not starting him right away in 2020, not throwing him the ball to get him the record in week 18 of 2022, or 2021, I'm sorry. Like, all those things, like, whether or not it's rational for him to be upset about those things doesn't really matter, right? Because if he wants to leave, there, there's nothing really they can do about it, right? So um, that's, I think, where you're really nervous if you're the Minnesota Vikings, because I think when you look at this roster, it's certainly a roster that's good enough to win, you know, eight and a half games, you know, per 1,000 simulations or 10,000 simulations. Um, but without Jefferson, I think you lose a lot of that tail, a lot of that upside, um, and, and a lot of that, like, oh, if we do X, Y, and Z right and all the bets hit, we could be a Super Bowl contender. That all goes away, in my opinion, if Justin Jefferson's not a part of the plan. Okay, so how valuable are receivers is, I think, a question we have to start answering, answering or asking, don't, don't we? Because when you're getting to these prices that are approaching what quarterbacks make, then we have to look around and go, all right, so if down the road, and I'm not saying dump Justin Jefferson, though I have gotten this question of, hey, would you just tr- like trade him now for two firsts and then draft two wide receivers and go from there and try to get value? I do not think that that is a good idea at all, unless you're sure, unless he has sort of leaked behind the scenes. There's no way I ever stay with the Vikings, but I think we're a, a far way away from that. We're just sort of approaching a different universe with wide receivers than maybe we've ever been before. And I guess I, I wonder, are they exceeding what their real value is in terms of price or is this is 25 mil a year what a wide receiver, a great wide receiver in today's game is actually worth? Well, and I think that that's, like, that's fundamental to all the Vikings questions. I know a lot of people on social media don't really want to discuss this because I get it that it's, it's, it's complicated, right? Like, you want to say, oh, look, we, we, you know, the Vikings have this seventh or eighth best quarterback in the NFL. That should be enough. And it's like, well, actually, there's a whole other variable there. Uh, they have the third best wide receiver in the NFL. And it's like, well, yeah, but there's a whole other variable there. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, in the case of the Vikings, like, I think it's, troubling a little bit that they have a pretty good quarterback and a the third best wide receiver in the NFL on rookie money and that offense is still kind of middle of the pack right like I think that that's what the hope with Kevin O'Connell is is it's finally going to emerge and the, the hard part with wide receiver play is I think one elite wide receiver can really get you to sort of out of one group of teams and into another group I don't think it can jump you two groups if that makes sense so um, you know, I think of Tyreek Hill this way with Kansas City. Like he, he took that team, uh, with Alex Smith at quarterback, um, you know, from a team that, you know, is sort of like a 10 win team to a 12 win team. He, he was able to help them sort of get Patrick Mahomes up to speed. But ultimately now, you know, the, they can't get any further with Tyreek Hill, right? They have to sort of, you know, take that wide receiver group and make it sort of more spread out, more, uh, resilient uh, to coverages and things like that. Like that's part of the research that I've done about secondary receivers. I think Justin Jefferson and before him, Stefan Diggs could get this Vikings offense from, you know, basically the worst, like Kirk, you know, Kirk Cousins gives you a floor, but like they haven't seen that floor yet. I think having an elite wide receiver all the time puts you in that sort of like median to above average part with Kirk Cousins. 
and not having like a third and, and you know we did see this with KJ Osborne a little bit last year but not really having a consistent third option because of Thielen's injuries or ineffectiveness or uh you know until this year not having a third target like has really kept this offense sort of in that middle of the pack maybe and not necessarily in that sort of elite category and that to me um that that's where the wide receiver play thing gets tricky um Elite guys are probably worth $30 million to some teams, but they're probably, in the case of the Chiefs, and weirdly in the case of the Packers, especially given their salary cap with the quarterback that they have, are probably not worth it for teams like that. So that brings me to a whole other question, which is uh, very much related. Wide receiver in the draft. Um, Should it be a wide receiver at the 12th overall pick? Because I think there are some very intriguing guys there. I mean, Drake London, um, you know, to go along with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave kind of is like, pick your choice of which type of receiver you want with those guys. And the upside of a lot of these receivers who have been taken in recent drafts, whether it's CD lamb or it's Justin Jefferson, I'm not saying every single one of them works out, but uh, there appears to be a higher hit rate or an increasing hit rate Uh, That might be small sample. I'm not sure, but I also think it could be the training of wide receivers that starts at a very young age and also offenses getting smarter about how they use wide receivers. So as the Vikings go into this draft, it would stand to reason for me that not only would you be picking a Chris Olave for your number three slash number four wide receiver this year. Also, if Adam Thielen gets hurt this year, which he has in two of the last three seasons, but also as long-term insurance, just in case you run into that situation with Justin Jefferson where he does want to go somewhere else. And what we also realize too is, like you said, like Tyreek Hill is is going somewhere else. I mean, this is somebody who's been on teams that have gone to the Super Bowl and still was totally comfortable with being out. And I think with Justin Jefferson, there's a lot of ideas of, well, if you just do this or if you make sure that he's got his catches or if you do this or do that, and I think the answer is there's no like here's the model for how you make someone happy with their situation or here's the model for how you make sure that they get the absolute most money because that's not what's always important. Uh, We're seeing coaches all over college sports complaining incessantly about this portal and about how players are transferring. You're like, Look, I mean, I think it's a, it can be an indictment on a program sometimes, but sometimes it's just a matter of somebody wanting something different in their life, and you don't know that that's going to be the answer. So you try to get as much out of Jefferson as you want, but there's no guarantee that he decides what he wants is to be here forever. So my point is, draft wide receiver at number 12. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's – and you think about um, – I, I think the issue if you're a Vikings fan with – taking a wide receiver at 12 is a couple of things. I think Garrett Wilson and, and Drake London, their draft props, if you look at like bet online and you look at DraftKings, FanDuel, it's about 10 and a half. Uh, I think both men are either 50, 50 or a little bit even favored to go in the top 10. Now um, you're probably looking at 12 at either a trade back, which worked pretty well for the Vikings last year with Christian Derrissaw, um, the trade back with the New York jets. Um, or you're looking for somebody who maybe has, a few holes in his game. You know, you Jamison Williams, who has, is coming off of an ACL, uh, you know, uh, Traylon Burks, who, you know, more people I talk to are not particularly happy with his athleticism, but he would, you know, be decent on the Vikings and a compliment to Jefferson, in my opinion. 
Um, guys like Sky Moore, uh, you know, competition is an issue there. Uh, same with Christian Watt, Watson out of, out of NDSU. You have a number of players who, uh, you know, could go to the Vikings. But this is a team that I think right now, unfortunately, and, and, and I think Quesi Adopamensa could like prove me wrong here, which, which I'd be, be happy for him to. But I think this is a team right now that through the draft is, is trying to build depth for the 2022 season because you look at cornerback, you look at uh, defensive line, uh, even the offensive line, although I think that they've done okay on free agency in that regard. Um, you know, those are positions where not only is the draft sort of deep where the Vikings are at 12, um, but, but the, this roster is going to suffer from the exact same things it suffered from the last two years. Uh, which are injuries and, and ineffective play by starters, uh, if they can't use this draft to get depth. So unfortunately, I don't know if wide receiver is really going to be where the Vikings go there. Um, but if, if Wilson, uh, Wilson or, um, London fell to them, that would be an interesting conundrum for them because it would help them at least have some leverage over Jefferson should one of those receivers come up uh, and play well. Folks, I've been working on a new studio space to shoot some videos, and what better to have in the background than some awesome prints from our friends at Soda Stick. They have all the designs that they put on clothes, but you can also have them hanging on your walls too, which I will very soon. Everything from the homage to the Metrodome to the Felino Fan Club to the Hooked on a Thielen design to the Straight Cash Homie, they have it all. Perfect for your football cave or your living room right over the TV, however you want to do it go to sodastick.com that's s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com use the promo code purple insider for 15 percent off hats hoodies shirts and of course your prints well doesn't it feel a little bit uh i don't know uh forced through the trees or pennywise pound foolish to not take a receiver if you're only looking to fill out the depth of another position like we have oft criticized them in this off season for seeming too Spielman-y and that seems too Spielman-y to me, which is, I mean, we need this third round running back Alexander Madison because we lost Latavius Murray. You're like, what? Like, <laughs> you can replace Latavius Murray with almost anyone and Derek Stingley Jr. for example, or Ahmed Gardner or, you know, one of the top corner prospects you know, maybe you don't feel like you can replace that type of position, but at the same time, every year, doesn't it seem like we get to this point and there's five corners left on the market who can still play? And doesn't it feel like too, and I'm not saying these things don't matter, so don't mistake that, but like defensive ends, there's Jerry Hughes and there's Melvin Ingram and there's Justin Houston. Like Justin Houston is every year still on the market at this time, waiting for someone to come get him in a handful of sacks for, for free, basically. So I guess I, I wonder about receiver being the hardest of those positions to just grab some random dudes at the end of free agency or when they're desperate to get jobs uh, because the Vikings have tried that before. Kendall Wright, Jordan Taylor, people know the names. And that, has, that hasn't worked very well. Also, there's another part of this too. If Kevin O'Connell wants to be better than Gary and Clint Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, I think he just needs better players. I mean, because I don't know that the answer is he has magic scheme potion. He's probably got good scheme potion, but I don't know that it's scheme potion that can totally change the offense and where it ranks, but I know that players can do that. Well, and even his, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this was not met with a ton uh, of joy by Vikings Twitter, but I think 
one of the reasons that their win total is nine or eight and a half, depending upon the market you look at, is because I, I think that people believe, if fans believe the markup from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell is a lot higher than I think the market does. I mean, the market looks and says, well, this is a guy who didn't call plays for the Rams. This is a guy, the last time he called plays was the architect of Kirk Cousins' least effective year in Washington. Um, you know, so there, there are clear question marks there, not to say that he can't have success, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, is when Sean McVay took over the Rams, the one of the, I mean, they signed Andrew Whitworth to a big deal. They signed Robert Woods to a big deal. They signed Connor, Connor Barwin to a big deal. Nikel Roby Coleman. Um, they were not spendthrifts, but they had Jared Goff on a rookie deal, you know, and I think that that's, you know, one of the, the key distinctions here is, you know, we can try to make, uh, we can try to look at the differences between the last regime and the, and this regime as much as we want. But the fact of the matter is when they extended Kirk Cousins and they extended him to a short term deal, which means there's not a ton of flexibility there. They're, they're strapped with a lot of the same decisions, right? That, that the previous regime was strapped with. I mean, when you look at Zimmer and Spielman, you know, 2014 draft, they took a quarterback. Um, they took a linebacker, an off ball linebacker. Um, when, you know, from a depth perspective, you know, they already had, you know, they, they theoretically had Castle. Uh, the 32 pick on Bridgewater was kind of a luxury. They didn't plan on starting him right away. Um, Barr was a starter from the get go. But in 2015, Trey Waynes was not a starter right away. 2016, Laquan Treadwell was not a starter right away. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't like, again, I think these decision makers are a product of the gambles that they're forced to make. And I think, you know, because of the, the move, whomever was steering the ship on the Kirk Cousins extension, that has put Quesia Dopamensa and by extension Kevin O'Connell in position to make bets that are very similar to the last group, uh, that has made bets. And so, um, yeah, like, like, like you said, I, I think, you know, drafting best player available for depth, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where the Bengals, for example, and, and even the Eagles with, with, uh, Devontae Smith, and to a lesser extent, I think Miami with, with Jalen Waddle, you know, it shows the impact that a guy can make right away. Like, I don't necessarily know if, if if that's really sort of the the thought process that's going through their mind, again, I'd be I'd be really happy for them to to show me wrong there and to take a wide receiver at that spot. Well, and I think that that's what a lot of people are looking at it with this is okay. How is it going to be different? And I got a message today from an astute follower that said, "Hey, I mean, is the draft kind of Quasi's playground to use the analytics? I mean, I've." I've joked around. This needs to be a shirt. It's just like, where are the analytics? Um, but, uh, you know, maybe they finally use them on Chris Reed a little bit. Cause I think that he had some decent data that pointed, uh, to him, you know, maybe being a good low key offensive guard, but we haven't really seen the analytics where we can go into the PFF data and go, Oh, okay. This nickel corner they found had really good numbers. And maybe, well, that hasn't been the case. Even with Shandon Sullivan, that was not the case that his numbers we're pretty, pretty bliss. So uh, I guess I wonder about like, if you were analyticsing the heck out of this draft, I mean, don't you trade back and take a receiver? Don't you say like, Oh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you really want a Kenny Pickett. come get him. And then draft at 20th 
Chris Olave or whoever is the wide receiver that's there. I don't know. You tell me if that's the answer. Like how, how could Kwesi Adafo-Mensa analytics this draft? Yeah. And this is where I have a great deal of empathy might be the, might be too strong, but like a, a great deal of like understanding for what he's going through. I mean, this is not, you know, he, he's come in in January. I mean, all of the scouts are basically the same from the, the Spielman era, right? All of the, um, you know, the analytics group has not necessarily grown for this team, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, unfortunately, like I don't think, and, and there's not a ton of edge to be quite honest, you know, now that PFF, you know, we publish all of our draft boards and, you know, grinding the mocks does the, you know, and the athletic and all, everybody does their sort of like consensus big boards. Like there's not a huge edge anymore in just selecting better players. Right. Um, because, you know, we, we've shown time and time again that per pick, uh, there, there's really not, a, a, you know, there's no one that drafts a lot better than anybody else. Um, so, so that might be where he comes from here, which is to trade back. Now, I think that the hard part is, um, you know, given that all the scouts are the same, I think, and, and, you know, sort of their mechanisms for selecting players are the same. Like this is, that's no different than Spielman either. Spielman traded back in 2021. Uh, he traded back, you know, got a number of draft picks in 2020, 2019, as you said, he traded back like six times before Alexander Madison was picked in the last, uh, pick of round three. Um, so, and, and ultimately, you know, for the most part, those draft picks didn't produce a ton of fruit. Um, so, you know, now again, the question becomes the court, you know, the coach is different. The quarterback's the same though. And, and, you know, that's been the one constant through this entire sort of four years of mediocrity. Uh, other than the coach and the, and the uh, GM. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I struggle. Like, I think, you know, Quest, you can push a lot of the buttons, but Spielman was pushing those buttons as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that we could sort of make a list of 10 egregious draft errors that the Vikings made and what we could learn from them. Um, for example, Laquan Treadwell was a 30th percentile athlete at the NFL combine among players at his position. Your odds of having a guy turn from a 30th percentile athlete into a star receiver are just not very high. And I think that Kwesi Adafo Mensa will probably be very aware of that, that I looked it up since 2000, only five guys have made the Pro Bowl who were under 40th percentile at the combine and, and the Vikings went for the outlier. And then, you know, there's the positional value. And of course, everybody kind of knows that, I think, at this point. Um, but there's also the drafting of players to fill spots that aren't that important or aren't that hard to replace. So they would draft linebackers to stuff the run. You're like, what? Kentrell Brothers to stuff the run. Ben Gideon to stuff the run. Like, you don't need to do this. Um, so I do think that there's some edges to be had. But here's the unfortunate position that they're in. And I think one of the things that people dislike the most in sports is feeling like you're just at the whim of the roulette balls bouncing around, hoping it falls onto your number. That's what they have to get, though, is the Vikings, in order to succeed with where they're at, and this can totally happen and has in the past, but they just need to land a monster draft class. And there's no answer to how there's no like, oh, well, just pick all the right players, man. All set, Kwesi. Why don't you call me? Um, but the reality of the situation they're in with the cap and everything else and the quarterback is 
I, they just have to, they just have to land a monster draft class and there's no actionable thing that you can tell them or that we can look into, or we can analytics to say, well, this is how you should be doing it. I think you, you said it precisely. I mean, he, the fact of the matter, I mean, look at, uh, you know, they're not that dissimilar of a situation than the, you know, 2000, mid 2010, uh, New Orleans Saints. You know, like when they went seven and nine, you know, three straight years. Yep. I think Breeze yep. is a better quarterback than Cousins, but, you know, Cousins has played pretty well the last couple of years. Um, you know, and with a quarterback that makes that much money and a salary cap issue, salary cap issues that, you know, sort of spiral, right? And, and that's really what's happened this offseason is a lot of the, the issues that came to a head have really just spiraled for them. Um, they, you know, they got cap compliance. They get to Darius Smith, who, depending upon how you measure it, might be the biggest outside free agent in the history of the Cousins era for Minnesota. But in many ways, it's not really anyway, right? Because um, it's a two-year deal. It's more of a two-year yeah. deal than was initially reported. Right. Yeah. Yeah, three years 42 would have been better than the three years 27 for Pierce. But, you know, it's not really that way. And by the way, the Pierce signing uh, didn't even last, you know, one season of Pierce being on the field for for what it's worth. Um, so – you know, what got the Saints out of it? Well, in 2016, they drafted Michael Thomas. That was certainly a help. And in 2017, they got the Ram check, the Marcus Williams, the Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on other names, but they got those. They got that monster draft class, right? And, and the Vikings need that. And the problem is, is that, again, in your first draft class where you have not been able to implement, I mean, these teams prepare for free agency in the draft well before Quesia Dopamensa was signed on to be the Vikings general manager. Right. So right. in some ways you're stepping up to the table with other people's bets and you're saying, okay, you know, uh, you know, daddy needs a new pair of shoes type of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's not even the gambles you've made in, in many cases. So I think that again, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying that that's what they're up against. And, you know, to circle this all the way back, um, you know, to, to our original discussion, which was the, the Justin Jefferson thing, it's like another year of, you know, maybe one guy ends up breaking out or a couple of guys end up playing well and so on and so forth. Um, that's awesome. But like, if they go nine and eight or 10 and seven and you bow out in the first round of the playoffs, like, is Justin Jefferson really going to look at that situation and say, you know, well, it, it, look at that situation and say, hey, sign me up for that long term. Like, I, I just I get really, uh, you know, when I think about that, I just think they're staring down the barrel at a tough situation. Yeah. OK, so how about a very quick talk me into then talk me into a patience on Kwesi Adafo which I think is totally fair. Um, some of the things that I said critiquing what they've done, I think have been maybe misconstrued for me saying like, pack the guy up, put him in a plane and send it off into the ocean. Like that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but the position that they put themselves in for the long term is more challenging for the short term. It helps them get maybe more wins than they were going to if they tore it all down. Um, but talk me into how after this year, which is Quasi Adafo Mensa's first several months of being on the job that he can write the ship, so to speak, right? The like the Vike, brrr, the Viking ship. No. Okay. Uh, anyway, see the, the best part is you can't go anywhere. You're just in the airport. So you just have to keep listening to this. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's nothing you can do, but talk me into, talk me into after this draft fit, what Quasi Adafo Mensa can do to make this 
the rebuild part along with the competitive part and, and send them in a direction where they could compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the issue becomes right when we think of Quasi Dopamensa is, you know, you and I sort of see the four year deal and we say, man, he's, he doesn't have that much time. Right. And he, he puts two of them on cousins and, you know, in theory, then if that doesn't work, which like, let's be honest, the first four years of the cousins, even though cousins has played well, um, have not worked. Right. So chances that it's going to work now in year 34 and 35 for him, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not hugely bullish on, but, but at the same time, if, if he's not exactly making a hundred percent of the decision on the cousins deal, then he might have more time than we believe. Right. And so, you know, there is some value in having a competent quarterback so you can find out about young players. And, you know, I know with the chiefs now, the chiefs are a different story because they went 12 and four and 10 and six, the two years with Alex Smith before they, they moved on to Mahomes. So, you know, this team hasn't nearly been as successful, but it, I think it's somewhat instructive. If you have a great, you have a, an okay to, to pretty good quarterback, depending on the day, like, and you, let's say, draft Chris Olave, or you draft Christian Watson of, of NDSU, um, you know, you get a look at those free agent guards that you sign. Um, you know, the, the tackle, the two tackles appear to be pretty good for Minnesota, let's say, you know, and, and all that stuff. You give your defense a chance to show its warts where, you know, if you're, for example, the Jets last year, who knows how good the Jets defense was or wasn't because the offense was scoring eight points <laughs> right, a game. Right, right. You know, so, so like, so Cousins gives you a, a, a decent amount of competence so that you can figure out about the other 52 guys on your roster. Um, and if you have a longer runway, I think that it could make sense for them. Like, I, I think both of us have made our, our, our opinion known that we would have just moved on. Um, I think it's really interesting that Ryan Poles, who, you know, granted, it's not necessarily a completely uh, isomorphic situation in Chicago, but, you know, he has not gone. He He's more torn it down and sort of started from the studs around Justin Fields and even to an extent not building around Fields um, as heavily as people believe. Um, Nate, you know, he was the other candidate for the Vikings job. You wonder if that was so, something that he was allowed to do in Chicago that he might not have been allowed to do in mm -hmm. Minnesota. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but you sort of see those, the, the two differences there. And, and, and if, and from my perspective, I just think Chicago's further ahead in what reality is going to bring. Um, but there's all, there, there are situations, you know, like, for example, the, the, the Saints of the last decade, um, I think even Atlanta, when you bring in Kyle Shanahan uh, for a Falcons team that had gone, I want to say four and twelve in 2013 and six and ten in 2014, Matt Ryan a little bit better than Kirk Cousins, but not all that much so. Um, that team goes to a Super Bowl in 2016, so there are examples, but it's going to require, in my opinion, great drafts. The Falcons in 2016 drafted Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell. Um, and a few other guys that ended up being productive for them. Mm -hmm. um, the Vikings are going to need a great draft, and they're going to need Kevin O'Connell to be basically in that sort of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tier. Uh, I, I think if that happens, given the schedule that they have, and maybe some regression by Green Bay, that could be their that that could be their way out of this. Um, a, a way out of that this that is consistent with Kirk Cousins still being on the team. You know, I'm just picturing people walking by at the airport and I know how loud you talk and you know this too. I know. And just being like, this is the most intense 
football thing I've ever heard at the yeah. airport. <laughs> just... I, 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 I'm, not, it, I'm glad that I, I said this today about a different situation. I'll, it's that no one that matters cares and no one that cares matters. <laughs> that, that's, that's what's going through my head right now. Um, but, but it's certainly, uh, you, I am getting some looks in this phone booth. I, I feel like I'm going to take a picture of this, of this pay phone here and, and tweet it out. Yes. Um, yes. Please do. But <laughs> you just imagine people be like, what is going on with the yeah, jets? The, is these, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The jets just catching an absolute stray in the middle of that discussion. But oh, that's great. Uh, okay. It, F- final thing though. Final thing. Um, what's your favorite part of draft season? Because I, I have stated mine many times in the show. It's just how insane the takes get and that there's no accountability. So just fire off your takes and see what happens. That's my favorite part is that we could just throw the hair back, be like, I don't know, Sam Howell goat. Why not? Uh, what's yours? I don't know. I think last year, so just to give you guys an idea about like volume, my betting partner and I had eleven thousand dollars in bets on the draft in circulation <laughs> by the time the draft. And I think, Jeez, I think, man. I think we turned over. I think it was like thirty thirty percent. So you know, we we made a decent amount, like enough um, to like at least take like, pay for half of a vacation, let's say. Um, and I like that a lot because you know. Never in a million years, and I'm I'm a pretty good sports better, but like never in a million years would I expect to make thirty percent betting sides. Like I, I bet I had about half of that on the Super Bowl, um, and I made nine percent. I was pretty happy, you know. Like it, so, the draft props markets now this year's been weird. When the pandemic happened and there were no sports to bet on, they basically opened every freaking bet up uh, <laughs> right. for for the 2020 draft and. Um, and then 2021 followed suit this year because the quarterback position doesn't provide you with these like pivots. There have been a lot less uh, draft props so far uh, with three weeks left in the process. So I'm excited for when they start posting them. Um, I know I, I messaged uh, Arif Hassan on Twitter and I said, Hey, um, if you have, uh, you know, he's like, I don't think Derek Stingley is going to get to 12. And I'm like, well, you know, it's basically even money to go before 13. So why don't you bet that? And, uh, like I, I kind of like that part of it um, because it's what you said. It's like, you know, people say all these kinds of things and there's really no accountability. And, you know, I like the accountability of saying it. And this is also my, my angle towards all Vikings people, you know, to, who, you know, will tell you and me that we're wrong. And it's like, okay, we'll bet the win total then. Um, you know, I think that the sports book provides the greatest ca- accountability this time of year. Uh, and, and in the draft, you're able to exploit, I think, rumors uh, whether they be founded or not. And, and, you know, I think you and I know at this point in time who the credible people are and who aren't. And, and there are some people who aren't that end up moving these markets, interestingly, because of their platform. Hmm. That is interesting. Well, I would say that uh, you and I couldn't be farther apart in why we enjoy the draft. I mean, yours is so you can gamble on it like crazy, which is your podcast, by the way, PFF Forecast with you and George Shahuri, where I just like to sit back and watch the show from the peanut gallery. I like to watch draft people fight with each other over stuff that they'll never know. I like to see Mel Kuyper say he's going to quit. If Jimmy Clausen isn't drafted number one overall, and then he goes in the second round. I love Laramie Tunsil having a gas mask bong and then turning out to be a great player. Like it's, it's all, it's all to me. It's just the show. 
is what's great for me. Uh, but you, you are more gutsy than me. I mean, I, I feel like also if I'm in a locker room that I should not gamble on any sports, um, that's a, it's like a little bit of a different role. Uh, but also even if I wasn't, I wouldn't because I don't believe in myself in my own ability to guess what's going to happen because I cover the Vikings and there's just like, <laughs> who could ever guess except for maybe last year, us guessing eight and nine. But you know, aside from that, this team finds ways when case Keenum took them to the NFC championship game. I was like, okay, I mean, you just cannot predict anything with this team and that's what makes it great. So, uh, that's what I like about it. But Eric, um, I would say get back to whatever you're doing, but I know you're doing nothing. So I can say safe travels and congratulations to your sister getting married. And this will be the first time I've ever said this to anyone. Enjoy hungry. Thank you, Matthew. I, I, it's a pleasure just to get to talk to you and, uh, and chat football. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I, three weeks until the draft, like you said, I, I love, I'm probably going to watch a few of these old drafts on YouTube on the plane. Um, uh, those are the best, but yeah, for the current draft right now, uh, get, get some skin in the game. Uh, nothing. I, I think it's, uh, there's a professional sports better named Seth Byrne who, who tweeted out once. And I really like this. Nothing sharpens the mind like risk. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to continue to just sit back and watch everyone else risk their money on the draft and watch uh, all these teams risk their future on rookie players. So thanks for your time, Eric, safe travels. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Take care.